0: 3 p.m. Just stay tuned next for cover to cover open book. Good afternoon, and welcome to Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover. I'm Amelia Gonzalez, and today we continue with marking the anniversary of Katrina and honoring the resilience of the people of New Orleans. During this half hour, you'll be listening to highlights from the Katrina and Rita Tribunal that took place last week in New Orleans. Our own DVD was there to record this historic event and Esther Manilla has produced the following that includes voices of those that survived Katrina as well as Dick Gregory, Michael Eric Dyson and Malik Rahim of Common Ground Collective. Stay with us as we bring you the highlights of the Katrina Tribunal.
1: hanging out with you this afternoon. We are still here, New Orleans. Uh, right now, we're headed over to Congo Square, and we're talking with uh, people who have been victimized by Hurricane Katrina, actually the neglect of the government after the hurricane. And we have a sister here. What's your name?
2: Kim Ford. Kim, are you from New Orleans? Born and raised,
1: out my line. What is it like for you two years in the aftermath of Katrina?
2: You know is 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 almost like it was the first three months after. You know, the growth from the three months after and to now it's just about what and what, I tell you. As far as being able to to realize that my community is coming back or you know, I still see all the devastation. I mean the the majority of my area where I lived is still like it was the day after the hurricane. Where did you live? I lived in the Lower Ninth Ward, right on the other side of this bridge we're riding across. Now, this bridge that we're
1: riding across, can you describe to people who might have just seen pictures of it on the news, but what was it like for people when when the levees broke and, they were, and this was one of the routes out of the Ninth Ward?
2: Okay, let me tell you that my husband and I went on the first vacation we'd ever taken in 20 years that weekend. My cousin got married in North Carolina. So... When I heard the hurricane was coming, I moved out to the airport because we were scheduled to come back that Monday anyway. I could not believe that it was happening. But then when I woke up Tuesday morning on the front page of the USA Today in my hotel was my neighborhood, including this bridge, and I just fell to the floor. I couldn't, I didn't want to believe that it was going to be so bad. You know, and that's and that's how I saw the spread. the first time after the hurricane just knocked me to the floor, and it just took me a long time to get up. And people think, well, it's two years you should you should be able to recover. My whole city should be able to recover in two years. I agree, but it hasn't happened. And as Americans, we have to be aware of what's happening because just like it happened to this beautiful and thriving community, it could happen to somebody else. It could happen to yours. Anytime it could happen. And then what's going to... was Nobody should have to go through this. Well, I
1: appreciate you. I appreciate you talking with us this morning. Um, is there anything that you would like to let the people who are listening know that they should understand about New Orleans that might not be
3: coming across on the, the news? They ain't doing nothing to help support us. They they ain't trying to help us get our homes back, try to, you know what I'm saying, get our family. None of that does. They just screwing us put it like that
1: everybody you know both the president on down huh the president on down what 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 sort of thing what sort of thing would you like to see and help I mean there's been a lot of money that's come through they rebuilt the stadium I mean
3: yeah help build the homes y'all building all these residential things for y'all rich people you know what I'm saying look at us the ones that ain't got none you know what I'm saying come down here and help us do something with this nothing but trees you know what I'm saying this I ain't even the nine wall no more. It look like a straight jungle out there, man. Let's get keep it real, man. Well there you go. I appreciate y'all taking time out
1: this morning to talk with us. Thank you. what's your name, man?
3: My name Michael. Michael.
1: All right, Michael from New Orleans. Peace to you, brother. Right now, we are in the city of New Orleans. It is the second, I hate to use the word anniversary, but the second year that we honor the victims of Hurricane Katrina. We're standing next to some folks from New
4: Orleans. What's your name? Chevelle, Washington.
1: Now, Chevelle, can you tell everybody who's listening here in California where we're at? You know, what this area is that we're standing in front of.
4: We are in the Lower Night Wall, by the wall that was collapsed, and they just rebuilt it a little thicker. It was shorter. It's a little taller now.
1: You know, what is this, you know, so we're here where the levees basically broke. We are exactly where the levee broke. What does that mean for people here? Does it symbolize anything? I mean, what's it like here in the Ninth Ward and the surrounding areas for people?
4: It don't symbolize nothing because they never start rebuilding these people's homes. We are all over the world, and we want to come back to our residents. But they don't jack the rent up, and some of the people, you know, it's just not fortunate to come back. And insurance, they don't want to pay them. They don't want to help rebuild, and that's why it's, it's the way it is now.
1: George Bush is speaking here in the Ninth Ward today. Has he visited the Ninth Ward other than the, to, to look at the anniversary? And has he done anything?
4: No, sir. I was here last year. George Bush came down here last year. He did not come to this monument. He went to the quarters. And I'm looking forward to see him, but I don't think he's coming here. He is going back to the quarters, where he went at last year.
1: French quarters. The French quarters. Wow. You know, what about all the other presidential candidates? They're supposed to be rolling through here. Do you think that they are really sincere and can make a difference in the rebuilding of New Orleans?
4: I don't think so. Because if they would, they would have been, made some kind of progress.
1: And if I can ask you, what sort of things did you guys suffer? Did you lose homes, loved ones, or anything here?
4: I lost my uncle. And I lost my home. I lost values from my brother, my mother, and my father. That could never be replaced. And they are deceased.
1: You know, have there been any sort of support? You know, after 9-11, they had specials, they brought psychiatrists around, they talked to the victims. I mean, we lost so much here. Have there been any sort
4: of uh, healing? No, sir. No, no healing. I'm still going through it after two years.
1: How do do you manage to get through?
4: I had a great to go, and my kids and my husband.
5: Uh, Congressman Cynthia McKinney. Give her a warm welcome. Yeah. Y'all, um, thank you very much. Y'all have to pardon me because I've been up all night long. Uh, we stopped in Delaware but we actually are coming all the way from Kennebuckport, Maine. We were there to protest George W. Bush, and he showed up down here, and I missed him. <laughs> I'll make the citizens arrest. I would just like to say um, a welcome to all of the international guests who are here. I am pleased to have been asked to join the others as a co convener of uh, the tribunal we are here because we want justice we can't find it at home so we have to go into the international arena to get justice but it doesn't matter where we have to go we will remain undeterred our backs are not ever gonna bend we're going to find our justice It's a shame that George Bush would come down here for photo ops and I don't think it's an accident that Nancy Pelosi showed up the very week after the launching of the tribunal. But the Democrats, in their visit to the Gulf States region, said that they were here to differentiate between the needs and the wants of the people. Well, I didn't see them making any differentiation with Halliburton or the Carlisle Group or Money for the War or even on impeachment. <laughs> so why is it that we have to have our needs and wants differentiated from them? Well, at some point, we're going to have a message specifically for them. Hopefully, it'll be in November of '08. But at any rate, I know that we are all here to take care of the important business, and that is to receive the evidence, the testimony from the survivors, and to have the lawyers who are internationally renowned do what lawyers do and prepare a dossier so we can have litigation in the international courts. We are going to hold this government accountable for what it did and did not do. So thank you very much for being here and I'm really happy to be here and I'm happy to be standing. Thank you.
1: David D. hanging out with you this afternoon. We are here at the big day of presence rally here. Um, at the Convention Center in New Orleans. We came across a legend, somebody who has a lot of insight. We want to get some of his wisdom. We're talking about the one and only Mr. Dick Gregory.
6: How are you doing, sir? Well, I'm fantastic. Thank you, and God bless you and the family, and it's, a, it's just a lovely day to be here. It's lovely, but it's also kind of bittersweet, I would imagine. I mean,
1: two years after the worst disaster this country has faced, what do you think
6: about the recovery efforts? What do you think about the spirit of the people? As long as black folks and poor folks been in America, it's like you believe he was once good and then he got bad. It never been no good when it comes to poor folks and black folks. I mean, we live in a country that when you talk about if we could all work and make this a humane society. But in America, when you think of humane society, you think of animals. You, we keep getting signals, and we the one that keep looking the other way a bridge collapsed in in minnesota and in two days they personally hand carried two hundred million dollars to them so what's this game about
1: it's interesting that you point that out i often play excerpts from a speech that you gave off of one of your albums where you talk about that uh... you talk about that we have to think and you also talk about how this country likes to shove democracy down people's throats it's kind of interesting i think you did the speech maybe like in the 70s, and here we are 30, 40 years later, things haven't changed. So how come we haven't learned these
6: lessons that you seem to have been talking about for so long? Well, there's something about a slave mentality that you hate to admit that somebody else controls your faith and destiny when you're under the illusion that you live in a free democratic society. If you go back and look at Daddy Bush, he was president for four years. Then Clinton came in for eight. It's 12 years, and baby Bush come in for eight. That's 20 years. And if Hillary win, there's two families and dominated this country for damn near 30 years. And Americans, black and white, too stupid to understand what a dynasty is. But if it happened in the Philippines, we could see it
1: and understand it. And we would also send troops over there, too. So what do you think we should do? Other than taking the blinders off, what are some practical steps? Two years after Katrina, what would you tell poor folks, black folks to do from this moment on well
6: every time i see somebody with a platform to talk about it they never mention racism <laughs> you know they dance all around that you know and if i've got cancer and i'm limping because i've got cancer if you just talk about i'm limping and let somebody determine why i'm limping you see first you have to understand what you can do you can organize you can embarrass this country around the world And that's what we're not doing. You can go to the United Nations. You can do a whole lot of things. But we're not doing that. Because we want to do something else that we're not qualified to do. We can go every time they shoot up a a rocket. We can have groups there. And embarrass them all over the world. And so consequently, we got to come up with a strategy. We know that if something happened on mars today and we got a message that a town had blown up and the martins is, is saying yeah we're here we couldn't get there fast enough man you know let me ask you there, there are a lot of people that are on the ground running there are a lot
1: of people here that have been self-sufficient they weren't at the table today i didn't see common ground in all those people here at the day of presence How do we make that connection, or how do we uplift those folks that are actually doing the work, putting their shoulders to the grind, and not
6: waiting for George Bush to give them a bunch of money to do it? Well, you got to do both of them together. I mean, if George Bush, that's not his money, that's our money. So I shouldn't have to wait for my money. But when you go to the mentality that like somebody else is in control of when I get fed and you in my kitchen with my food. Then that's my fault. All you got to do is just change the attitude. You see, I'll leave you with, remember a butterfly, it's very beautiful, very fragile, but it can fly all the way across the Atlantic Ocean and all the way across the Pacific Ocean, but the bald eagle can't make that trip, that little butterfly.
1: David D. hanging out with you. We're in New Orleans, talking with Michael Eric Dyson. I was in the Lower Ninth Ward this morning, and it's still heartbreaking. What do we make of that, especially if we were to compare... Of the disasters, in particular 9-11.
7: Well, no question that America has responded outrageously, generously, uh, to other people who have been victimized by disasters. Now, initially, more money came in than even after 9-11 for this region. But unfortunately, the money has not trickled down to the people who need it most, working class men and women of every color and hue in this city, number one. Number two, what it suggests is that the federal government has not done its responsible deed of accountability for those who have been victimized. Thirdly, it means that what we're doing is handicapping an entire generation of people who will be left behind, especially the young people. Their infrastructure of education is dilapidated. We're not doing the right thing there. Fourthly, why can't we appoint a czar to overlook the recovery of New Orleans uh, at the behest of the federal government and the executive branch? And finally, what it says is that those of us who are privileged African Americans and others must come here, show up, and help rebuild this city, not only by brick by brick and mortar by mortar, but to also raise awareness to those who are outside this place that we need to come here and be identified with. With the people who are here.
1: Now, I was at a rally, and I noticed there were a number of people there, people like uh, Malik Rahim and so many folks from the Hurricane Re- uh, Relief Fund and all that, right. that have been on the ground running, and they're people that we stayed in contact. Why aren't they sitting at this table, so to speak, and, yeah. wh- and what's the dialogue between the type of work that uh, organizations like Common Ground are doing right. versus, you know, the, you know, the elected officials and folks that we see here?
7: No doubt. Well, you know what? Uh, we met with uh, Malik Rahim, a great brother, in Common Ground. Susan Taylor and I, when we came here during the Essence Festival, had a tour, sat down and met with them, talked to them, forged connections, and tried to forge a relationship between the mayor's office and Common Ground, suggesting that Common Ground was a critical linchpin in the recovery efforts of everyday people working for themselves, out of the limelight, without political support, and yet doing their thing. They are just as critical and as necessary as the public officials who gather here today and their efforts to rebuild the city. But uh, make no mistake. Our identification with them is strong. Our insistence that they be part of the process is strong. And all during the day, this is but one part of a grander scheme to try to put all hands uh, uh, on board, on deck, to make sure that this situation is addressed.
1: There you go. Dr. Michael Eric Dyson dropping bombs for us. We appreciate it. We are here, New Orleans. We're standing way before the levees broke, <laughs> when the levees broke, and he's still on the ground. We're talking about Malik Rahim. How you
3: doing, sir? Oh, uh, All right, my brother. It's an honor to be on your show.
1: Let me ask you, what's it been like for you over the past two years?
3: It's been uh, the worst time and the best time of my life. Uh, it's given me the opportunity to, uh, to see some individuals from all over the, the world to come down and uh, do a remarkable deeds in the rebuilding of this uh, great city at common ground we have now served almost a hundred and eighty thousand people in direct services
1: the other thing we heard about especially in a place like california is black brown tensions and uh... the situation with uh... immigrant workers coming in how is that fared out how do we put that in perspective what is that about
3: well i'm gonna tell you if uh... If I don't want you to really see who's kicking you, in, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna put all kinds of smoke screens in front of you. If I could get you as a people to say that it's the uh, immigrants' fault, and then uh, you get to the immigrants and you tell them you better watch them all crazy niggas, you dig? Uh, then then no no one can see who's the real enemy, and that's the powers that be that's exploiting us all. That plantation mentality is still going on here, and they understand this. They, they put ads in the papers telling, uh, promising these immigrants, uh, these high paying jobs here. But they're not getting them. And then as for here, right at the Desire, Desire was the largest African American housing project in the city. You go back there and see who's doing the building. It's immigrant workers. They're not getting paid the prevailing wage. They're not getting, uh, the fringe benefits that federal law demands that they're supposed to have. And they're definitely not hiring or training people from our community. No. And this is what's going on. I mean, uh, just Friday, uh, we was evicted out of St. Mary's uh, school. We you had, guys? Oh, yes. We had been in that school for a year and a half. Friday, uh, the priest came to us and told us to get out. Gave us until the day to get out. Yeah. That's because of the series of events that we had planned at the school. You know. Uh, what
1: did you have planned?
3: Well, one, we was going to show a documentary that was done by a Danish filmmaker called Welcome to New Orleans that exposed the racism, that exposed uh, some of these white vigilantes that equated uh, uh, shooting and murdering African Americans as hunting pheasants. You all were
1: giving that away for free? Oh, yes. that's still So that's what I got today,
3: then. Yeah, yeah. We want as many people as possible to see what, uh, what was allowed here. And see, and that's the part of it that makes me so unforgiving with certain individuals, you know, because uh, they can find all the reason to criticize what we are doing at Common Ground. But they are not doing anything about those brothers that was murdered in the streets of New Orleans. They're not doing anything about all the ones that if we don't stand up, going to be given up to 14 years in prison for looting with not one vigilante been arrested. Not one. That brother who was shot uh, on the, uh, Spike Lee talking his, in his campaign was shot now, Algea's. What he was shot for? Because he walked down the street that these whites said that they didn't want blacks in. Nobody is saying anything about Jefferson Parish. And nobody is saying anything about this. But we can find fault with every little thing that we're doing. And I'm not saying that we haven't done any wrong things at Common Ground. But I tell you what, we have done more good than harm. You know, and the reason why right now those things is not being focused upon on who is that enemy, who is that that's causing a division between African-American and the Latino community, who is the one that denied uh, access into uh, Gretna, who is the one that allowed uh, vigilantes to roam the street of uh, uh, New Orleans, killing that will. When we find out who is the one who's really doing that, then we'll be, uh, uh, I believe, 90% into the recovery, because uh, I'm going to tell you, evil uh, evil dies in the light.
1: That's real talk right there, definitely real talk. We've been talking with Malik Rahim. I want to thank you so much for for, for sharing information with us and, and giving us a perspective. Um, as we close out, is there anything that you want to let people know in Atlanta, California, Seattle?
3: Let's just stay involved. If you want to know what we are doing at Common Ground, our website is uh, commongroundrelief.org. You could call me personally. My home number is area code 504-368-6897. But you need to get involved and stay involved because if this can happen in New Orleans, it can happen anywhere in America. So we must be vigilant. We must stay vigilant. When we must stay involved
2: you know like i know ain't no city like the n o uh, you know like i know ain't no city like the n o uh, you know like i know ain't no city like the n o uh, you know like i know ain't no city like the nO
1: that's real talk we out for now peace
0: You've been listening to highlights of the Katrina and Rita Tribunal, Truth Crushed to Earth Will Rise, that took place last week in New Orleans and was recorded by Davy D. and produced by Esther Manilla. The voices you heard included survivors of Katrina, as well as Dick Gregory, Michael Eric Dyson, and Malik Rahim of Common Ground Collective. To find out more about this organization, you can go to www.commongroundrelief.org. With Erica Bridgman at the controls, I'm Amelia Gonzalez. Thanks for listening.
8: making a difference in your community? Do you want to get more involved with KPFA Radio?
1: This is your opportunity. Right now, KPFA is having elections for its Board of Directors this fall, and several seats are available for listening representatives. The nomination period is now open until September 25th. For more information and for downloadable copies of the candidate packet, go to www.kpfa.org. Or for any questions, please email election at kpfa.org. Your fresh
7: perspective and experience can make a difference.
2: You're listening to 94.1.